0: Hello and welcome into the Lions Lair. I am your host John Sauber, uh, doing this one solo for the most part today with a jam-packed episode for you. Got the NCAA Wrestling Championships this weekend. Got the big beginning of the NCAA Tournament this weekend. Uh, we will preview both of those things. One from the Penn State perspective, of course, with the wrestling, and you know, give the give our broader thoughts on on the uh, men's basketball tournament, which has begun already to some extent in the first four. Uh, but, but really begins in earnest on Thursday. And I'm a firm believer, you know, that the Thursday and Friday, that's the first round. This is the first four. This is a nice little taste of what's to come, but, but, things really get going on Thursday and Friday, but we'll lead off here, uh, with wrestling. Um, Penn state has qualified nine wrestlers for the NCAAs that begin this Thursday. Uh, plenty of those guys have a shot to win a title. I would say all of them have a reasonable chance to be all Americans this weekend, uh, myself and, uh, our Penn state wrestling beat reporter, Nate Gobbler at the Senate daily times, uh, you know, he, he and I previewed, uh, what's to come uh, and what we expect to happen with, with the Penn state wrestlers this weekend. And we'll, we'll run down briefly here. Some of that, uh, starting at the 125 pound weight class and wrapping up with sort of my expectations for, for the team title this week, first things first, uh, at 125 pounds for Penn state will be drew Hildebrandt, who disappointed quite a bit uh, at big tens to be frank, uh. Did not did not place uh you know where where I think many would have thought he, he would, uh, you know, struggled out of the gate, was upset by uh, Michael DiAgostino of of Northwestern, and then felt I believe Patrick McKee, and, and ultimately qualified because he was able to uh secure one of the top 10 spots with the Big Ten having 10 uh spots allocated for the uh for the NCAA tournament. So Hildebrandt still gets in despite his struggles. Uh, and, and the draw, to be frank, is it's not all that favorable here either. Uh, could get by in the first round um, against uh Lockhaven's Anthony Noto. but but the the second round for him is when things really ratchet up. And that's when he would have to face one of the guys that beat him this year in his short stint as a netney line and Nick Suriano. Uh Hildebrand, of course, enrolled at Penn State in, in January, uh, was at Central Michigan for most of his career, is spending his last years in Etney line has looked good. Uh, for most of the season, you know, Big Ten tournament notwithstanding. Uh, lost to Suriano previously, but it was two to one. You know, it, it, was, a, it was a tightly contested bout. I, I just don't know that, that he's the guy that's going to upset him here. And frankly, I, I think he might be one of the, you know, one of the two guys here that's probably not going to All-American but has a chance to do it. Uh, I projected him to not All-American here, uh, to not place, and to ultimately, that, that loss to Suriano, the potential loss to Suriano, I should say, in the second round, I think that will be enough to knock him down and make it too difficult to claw back uh, in the consolation bracket. Of course, the next couple of weights for Penn State, uh, it is a much different story. At 133 pounds, the Nittany Lions have Roman Bravo Young, 141 pounds, then Nick Lee. Both of these guys should be favored to win a national title as much as they both did last season. Both these guys should have some rematches on the way to doing so. Start with Bravo Young, uh, likely to get Austin DeSanto in the second round. DeSanto is an eccentric wrestler, right? Like he's, an, he doesn't operate in the way that most wrestlers do. He will attack from different angles. He would try to get takedowns in, in unconventional ways, uh, you know, and put himself at a disadvantage at times going for those sort of unconventional things. And Bravo Young generally hasn't had much of an issue with him in the past. I would expect him to beat him again uh, at NCAAs in the semis and then face Dayton Fix from Oklahoma State, Fix hasn't been or wasn't much of an issue for Bravo Young last year. Uh, Bravo Young winning the national title. And I think he has a chance to get it done again and should get it done again, quite frankly. Uh, That takes us to Lee, who has a, uh, I guess, a stranger road is the best way to put it to the the national title. Um, He's only likely to face one of the two guys that should present him the the most difficult matchups. And that's Jaden Ironman of Iowa and Sebastian Rivera of uh, Rutgers. Now, both of those guys uh, rumored to be dealing with injuries, which I think makes this really interesting. Ironman especially, uh, you know, medically forfeited the the Big Ten finals, giving Nick Lee the Big Ten title, which he lost last year to Ironman. Uh, Ironman obviously has been doing this for a long time, started his career at Missouri, uh, since transferred to Iowa, where he competed last season too. Uh, Frankly, I just don't know that he or Rivera is healthy enough to beat Nick Lee, and I don't know even if they're healthy if they're good enough to. So, compounding those things together i think it makes it pretty easy to project penn state to get those two champions the two guys that you would generally expect to be favorites to win the title at their weight class the two guys probably uh among the the four title winners that i have projected the two that i feel most confident in that will end up winning uh the the ncaa title this weekend Uh, next up 149 pounds is another one of those guys that we don't know where he's going to finish and that's Bo bartlett bartlett it reasonably should be at 141 pounds doesn't really have the length and the size to be at 149 pounds it's just he's he's blocked by the best 141 pounder in the country uh in in nick lee and so he is wrestling up at at 149 pounds uh doesn't have the greatest draw in the world potentially gets sammy sasso of ohio state in the second round uh nearly beat sasso in the bryce jordan center duel earlier this year has a chance to do that again Uh, if he can do that he can he can finish as an all-american and this is one of those scenarios where Penn State's wrestlers tend to perform best in the, at their best in the postseason, and I think Penn State and Kael Sanderson is going to get its best or uh, going to get the best it can from, from Bo Bartlett. Uh, I have him finishing sixth, earning All-American status for the first time, and then honestly in all likelihood probably wrestling down at 141 pounds next year, although we'll see how the roster shakes out. These things can always change. At 157 pounds is one of these seeds uh, that when that I saw, anyways was one of the, one of the ones I questioned the most. And Kale Sanderson clearly did too voices, frustrations, frustrations with the process of seating uh, when he spoke last week uh, ahead of, you know, the team traveling to Detroit for the, for the, for NCAAs. Uh, but what, what happened here is sort of inexcusable. Uh, and it's, it's honestly less about Brady Berge at 157 pounds after he dropped down after, you know, wrestling at 165 pounds, of course, rejoining the team, uh, after coaching at South Dakota State to begin the season, rejoining the, rejoined the Penn State team in January after he you know medically retired last year. But he beat Caleb Young twice, who was the number two seed at the uh, Big Ten tournament. And he did so rather convincingly, right? And he finished third in the Big Ten, the best conference in the country. Yet here he is as the number 16 seed. Yet here he is with a second round matchup against the number one wrestler in the weight class, Iowa State's David Carr. Uh, won the car won the title last year. Uh, you know, both of these guys have a chance to win the title. Uh, I, I think this is, this is an opportunity for Berge to get that upset, to prove again that Penn state is peaking at the right time. Um, but I do think things could fall apart, not quickly from there, but, but he may not make the run that you would expect after upsetting the number one seed. Uh, I have him finishing eighth, earning all American status, but sort of doing it just barely despite knocking off the number one wrestler in the weight class. I just think at the end of the day, there's, there's still enough rust with Bergie that you see that you it, it's tough to be completely confident that he's going to go in there and he's going to be the guy that Penn state sort of hopes and expects he would be to help them win a team title. Uh, that being said, all American status after not wrestling uh, competitively anyways, for whatever it was, seven, six, seven months, it, it's an accomplishment in its own right. And credit to Bergie for, you know, coming back and trying to finish his career strong rather than having to sort of medically retire. Um, at 174 pounds, this is, these are one of the two champions, the next two weights, 174 and 184, that have the guys, I think, that are least likely from Penn State to repeat as champions. Uh, that being said, they both have excellent chances. I'm not saying like they uh, – honestly, uh, both guys could reasonably – should reasonably be favored uh, to win the, the weight class. At 170, 40, 174 pounds, that's Carter Starachi. Uh Starachi, of course, uh, has, has gone up against Michael Kemmerer multiple times in the past. Uh, has you know beaten him uh, in, in the past to to sort of get uh you know get a national title last year and uh you know has been I don't want to say better than than Kemmer but has been healthier at the very least and that has mattered and it looks like he's once again healthier uh, going into NCAA's. That being said, Kemmer is a really fun wrestler to watch. He's he's been awesome for Iowa at 174. Has generally been aggressive uh, for the Hawkeyes uh and i and i think the semifinal matchup of Storaci and Kemmerer should be one to watch as it may seem like stirachi would disappoint if he doesn't make it to the finals but he's probably facing the guy in the semis that that he would have to uh th- that he should reasonably be facing in the finals right and so it's putting him in a bad position i have camera with the upset here this one was really a toss up for me uh, i could go in either way like that the health could be a major factor here. It also could mean Kemmer might not make it to the semis. But if he does, and if he faces with Stirachi, if he faces off with Stirachi and he's healthy, I think this is where Kemmer gets uh, gets his revenge. Starachi falls into the consolation bracket, uh, wrestles for third place and ends up winning third place. And what might look like a disappointment, but really considering uh, you know, the the talent level of of at 174 pounds, and especially between him and Kemmer alone, uh, still a you know, a solid result and and one that might hurt the team a little bit in the team race, but shouldn't be overly damaging. Uh, that takes us to 184 pounds, where I frankly don't see Aaron Brooks losing. Uh, he he lost the Big Ten title to Miles Amin of Michigan State. Amin is an Olympic wrestler, of course, as well, and and is one of the best wrestlers in the country. These two clashing is is uh, generally awesome to watch, and hopefully they face off again in the finals because I I think it will again be a lot of fun to watch, but. It, it really feels like Brooks is about to be a man on a mission here. Uh, I don't see any way that he he loses back-to-back. I think this goes the way that it did for Lee last year at, at Big Tens, the way it did Sorachi last year at Big Tens, where they both lost, both lost the Big Ten title and then won the NCAA title uh, later on in the postseason. I think that happens again here for Brooks. I just think he's ultimately too talented uh, and, and too uh, – you know, he, this, this feels like a sort of a storybook ending for him. Like this will end, not to his career, of course, just simply to the season uh, where he, you know, can, can sort of get that vengeance pretty quickly after a, I would say a disappointing second place finish at big tens to, to Amin, mean. Uh, and then that takes us to my final champion for Penn state. And that's Max Dean at 197 pounds. Dean probably isn't the favorite. And this is important to note if AJ Ferrari is, is, available to wrestle, but Ferrari unfortunately was in a car accident in January and has been out since then and will be out the rest of the season. Uh from a obviously a humanity standpoint, you hope for the best for Ferrari and that he gets better. But from a wrestling standpoint, that it, it opened up things for Dean. Uh, it put him in a position where he is uh the I would say the favorite to win the title here at 197 pounds, comes in as the number one seed, uh has a chance to to earn his first title. He lost in the finals in 2019 didn't get to, to compete in 2020 because the championships were canceled because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The Ivy League cancels the 2021 season, and suddenly he's going, uh, you know, two years without having a chance to, it's been three years without having a chance to, to sort of overcome that, that loss in the finals in 2019. I think he ends up getting the job done here uh and and should be able to win his first title and you know have as as successful a postseason as you can postseason debut as you can excuse me for Penn State winning the Big Ten title, winning the NCAA title, uh and, and just you know being everything that any Lions could have hoped for at 197 pounds. Now, of course the last individual uh wrestler here then is Greg Kirkfleet at heavyweight. And and frankly there there might not have been a loss in Big Tens that set up a guy worse than Kirkfleet losing to Tony Cassiope uh at the big 10 tournament he falls to cassiope pushing him to the constellation bracket pushing him to trying to to win third place um ultimately does win third place but that being said that the loss doesn't matter because of the placement it matters because of where he's at on the bracket compared to all the world all everything heavyweight gable Stevenson. Who hasn't been beaten in a while since basically since uh, Anthony Cassar was, was at Penn State at heavyweight? Uh, Stevenson has been dominant this year. Is going to be dominant at NCAs. I have little doubt in projecting that he's going to win the title. And so facing off with him in the semis rather than the finals pushes Kirkfleet again to sort of the best case scenario as he finishes third and wrestles for third at the very least. Um, I have him finishing fourth, but really this is about he might be the second best heavyweight in the country. But facing Stevenson in the in the semifinals makes it impossible for him to get second place without the enormous upset. And frankly, if he gets that upset, he should be winning the title. I just don't see it. I don't see anyone upsetting Stevenson. Uh, I don't see anyone sort of overcoming the, the sort of monster he has been this season. Uh, and that takes us to the team outlook. And and honestly, with, with all of those, those four champions and potential for fifth and Storaci, Penn State should win the national title. Uh, they should win their ninth title in 11 years. They, I don't want to say they should do it convincingly, but they should be able to have enough of a margin to do it comfortably. Um, Michigan obviously won the Big Ten title in large part because Brooks was upset by a mean at 184 pounds. That result flips. Things go a lot more in Penn State's favor. Penn State generally does better in these settings anyways because there are more competitors, there are more opportunities to lose, and Penn State loses fewer of those matchups and has more high-end guys than, than a place like Michigan does that might be more susceptible to an early-round upset. So I think Penn State ends up winning the national title here pretty comfortably and capping off another really successful season, uh, you know, and a chance to send out some guys on top, some guys that have eligibility left And Roman Bravo-Young, who's rumored to potentially be moving on. Someone like, like Nick Lee, who's out of eligibility after this year, will be moving on. And this is a good chance for Penn State to send them off on a high note. Uh, we will, of course, have you covered water wall coverage. Nate will be out in Detroit covering every day. We'll have two stories, one after each session. Uh, online at centerdaily.com, where you can always find those. Of course, you can subscribe to the Center Daily Times at centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast for a discounted rate. You get all of our sports content uh, for a discounted rate of $30 for a year. Uh, That will get you all of the coverage this weekend. I will be running live blogs with live updates. If you can't watch, uh, you know the the NCAA championships this weekend, we'll have that running Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You can follow Nate at ByNcobbler on Twitter. That's B Y N C O B L E R to find all of that coverage. Uh, you can find all of it at at Center Daily C E N T R E D A I L Y on Twitter as well. We'll have you, like I said, water wall coverage. Everything you could want will be available there. Um, but now it's time to move on to the less Penn State related topic. And of course this is semi Penn State related uh, and that's the NCAA men's basketball tournament. And you know, we'll, we'll touch on the state of Penn State here before we get into what exactly we expect from the tournament itself and a broader overview. Uh, and, and that's, you know, Penn State finishes of course 14 and 17 under first year head coach, Mike Shrewsbury, Sam Sessoms already entered the transfer portal today as a source confirmed to, to us. Um, and, you know, will be someone that Penn State has to replace as a ball handler, but we have a lot of coverage of how exactly Penn State has to take that next step. Also at centerdaily.com. I, I think the, the biggest thing here for Penn State is going to be replacing John Hara at center. Uh, they just don't have anyone that can step in and play right away. They have two freshmen that might be able to do it. They've got to hit the transfer portal hard. They've got to find someone that is capable, that can play at least 25 to 30 minutes a night and really carry the load from a rebounding perspective that can be a bit of a hub of the offense, set ball screens, run DHOs, find open cutters, uh, and sort of open things up for, for the rest of the Nittany Lions. But I, I, from a broader perspective, I don't know that Penn State is as far away as they may seem from being in the NCAA tournament, despite uh, finishing 14 and 17, a few games go a different direction, a few really close games against really good teams. And we're probably having a different discussion here and it's about who they're facing in the first round, but that's not what happened. They lost those games and now they've got to find a way to build off it. I've said on here before, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's a chance Penn state looks better next year and finishes with a similar record, I don't know that their chances of making the NCAA tournament are higher next year. Again, a few of those coin flips go the other way and they could reasonably make it and and frankly should reasonably make it if they go the other way, but their, their trajectory will look much better next season. Uh, You know, and I think right now that is the most important thing that they continue to improve, that they continue to build the roster, that Shrewsbury continues to build with the youth. He has five freshmen coming in uh, highest rated recruiting class in Penn state history. You know, guys that can contribute early, like Evan Mahaffey, who's a multi-positional defender, can handle the ball a little bit, can shoot, but isn't as willing of a shooter as you'd like. Guys like Kebba Jai with a ton of upside uh, guards, like Kanye Clary and Jameel Brown, who can handle the ball. Brown, really good shooter, really good scorer. Clary, really good in transition, really good passer, a lot of speed. Then, of course, Demetrius Lilly, the fifth guy at center that that will probably play – if I had to guess now, would probably play most uh, between him and Jai uh, at, at center, just because he more physically ready than Jai is. But there's reason for hope for Penn State. There's reasonably that the NCAA tournament isn't so far away, but this year it is. Uh, so let's get into to dissecting this bracket and sort of what it looks like. Our picks for the the region winners, our picks for sleepers, our picks for you know the upsets in the first round, our favorite upset in each region, and who we think is going to win the national title. And let's get into that uh, breakdown, and let's start with the West region here, featuring, of course, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, uh, the, I mean, the best team in the country for my money, featuring Chet Holmgren, Drew Tamey, former Penn State Nittany Lion, actually, Rashear Bolton, uh, Andrew Demhard, a bunch of guys on this team that are just really, really good, um, starting with Holmgren, who's arguably the best player in the country. Uh, so dynamic on both ends of the court, seven foot one, can dribble the ball, can shoot, although not a great shooter, Uh, excellent passer is everywhere defensively with his long, long wingspan, just a little thin, but that hasn't mattered as much this season. Uh, To me, they've got to be the prohibitive favorite to come out of this region. right? And they're my pick to come out of the region. Uh, I think they are the exact kind of team that excels in the tournament. they got a bunch of guys that can score. They have really good defense. They're really consistent on both ends of the court. Uh, and frankly, should be one of the favorites to win the national title. Uh, a sleeper in this region. Uh, this is, this is where it gets a little tougher because if you're picking a sleeper, you're picking a team that can beat Gonzaga. Right. And there aren't many teams that can do that. Um, I would, I mean, I don't know how much of a sleeper it really is, but I would go with uh, number four, Arkansas, uh, number four seed Arkansas, I should say JD note has been really good that, uh, there this year. Uh, they're, they're good on both ends of the court. Led by Eric Musselman, uh, you know who has been a a good and uh, a uh, an energetic head coach, uh, I'll say, uh, for for the Razorbacks. But the, the problem there is they they would have to face Gonzaga in the uh, Sweet 16, and that's I mean it's just tough. You know you don't have much of a chance there. Uh, if you're looking for one upset in the first round, any sort of bracket recommendation I can give. Uh, it would be Davidson over Michigan State. This is not a good Michigan State team compared to most Michigan State teams. Uh, you know, they, they just aren't humming on both ends of the court. Keith Brown's the, the team's best player, and he isn't always at his best. Marcus Bingham has struggled as a rim protector because of his size, uh, and he's not dynamic enough offensively to sort of offset those struggles when they do happen, like someone like Holmgren is. Um, you know, Max Christie is good, an NBA player for sure. Probably will be better off coming back next year than than entering the draft, but it's not ready to be a major contributor at this level. Uh and, and, and Davidson, frankly, is a really good team. And, and this is sort of one of the disappointments here. Uh, that, that they do not have foster lawyer, or, or excuse me, they do not have Keelan Grady. Um, you know, Grady, of course, was at Davidson, spent most of his career there before transferring to Kentucky. Uh an excellent player. Uh, one of one of my favorite players to watch when he was at Davidson. Uh, he is of course no longer there, but that hasn't changed. That Bob Davidson has this this team rolling. Uh, they're first in the 18, A10, finished 27 6 this year, led by Foster Lawyer, former Michigan State player, which I think adds a, a layer of fun to this matchup. Excellent shooter, uh, a good all around team that should be able to take advantage of a Tom Izzo team that isn't sort of how it usually or at the level that Izzo's teams usually are. Uh, but let's head across the bracket then to the South region, uh, this is, this is, I think, one of the tougher, tougher regions to grade. And that's in large part because we don't know the status of Kirk Carissa. One of the team's, uh, key contributors, averaged 30 minutes a game, 10 points a game for the team, uh, has been crucial on both ends of the court, not knowing where he's at. Uh, I mean, it's not going to change that they're going to win in the first round, quite frankly, over whoever wins between Wright State and Bryant. That game is played tonight, court and here, Wednesday in the middle of the afternoon, uh, they should be able to get by the the 16 seed pretty easily still, but then things get a little tougher. You know, TCU Seton Hall not walkovers. Even if they get by there, I think that's where they run into the trouble in the Sweet 16. A Houston team that is is really really good. Uh, you know, has has been good all season, uh, led by Calvin Sampson. Just a difficult matchup if crease is not ready to go or if he is ready to go and even more difficult one, if he isn't uh, Benedict Mathurin from Missouri, for Arizona, excuse me, will have to lead the way for this team to, to do some real damage in the NCAA tournament. And he can, I mean, he's again, another guy that's going to be a first round pick in the NBA draft. Uh, but I think they're going to run into some trouble there. And my pick is actually my, I guess, you know, the, the team that beats in there, I, I should say, is my pick to be a sleeper in Houston, uh, really good defensive team. Uh, they're, they're going to be gritty. They're going to grind teams down. This is not a particularly strong bracket. Uh, but my pick to win the bracket is Tennessee. And that's because, frankly, this, this, Tennessee teams, this Tennessee team is one of the best defensive teams in the country. Third in Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency, averaging about 86.1 points per 100 possessions, according to the metric. Uh, just led by Kennedy Chandler, just one of the most dominant defensive groups uh, you're going to find all year. Uh, teams don't make a ton of twos against them. They don't make a ton of threes against them. Uh, they don't make a ton of shots against them. They, they force turnovers. Uh, they are, you know, uh, sort of a mess to deal with, right? They're, they're the worst team that the they're they're one team that teams don't want to run into if you don't want to grind it down because Tennessee will grind you down. Uh, if I had to pick one upset in this region, that's that's where this one gets a little bit difficult uh, because a lot of the higher seeds are pretty good. Uh, I would go with Chattanooga over Illinois. I think Illinois is the most susceptible of these teams of the, the top four or five seeds here to an upset uh you know kofi coburn very good player but can be a little bit inconsistent you can get him in foul trouble too which could help out uh if you leave andre corbello open to shoot you know trent frazier will make shots is really good defensively and illinois is going to need its defense but this team feels susceptible without the go-to primary uh sort of perimeter creator uh that they've been lacking this year forcing the ball a lot to coburn and i think that could all ultimately be their downfall one other team to watch here of course is villanova the number two seed uh you know Colin Gillespie the leader of this team a finalist for the wooden award uh he's an excellent player excellent shooter really good passer uh can shoot off the catch can shoot off the dribble a lot of these guys can shoot off the catch and shoot off the dribble quite frankly uh him Justin Moore generally carry the offense uh they're the guys that are going to be at the controls they need to be at their best of course Gillespie is is the guy they want to be carrying the offense but just doesn't always work out that way that he's able to um but those guys Jermaine Samuels Eric Dickens like this is a team that has a lot of talent not a ton of depth but enough guys that you know if, if you they can play at their own pace they can uh you know sort of get going uh, offensively uh by, by by playing slower by making other teams play slow uh and is good enough defensively super switchable uh, they're very sound offensively use the pivot foot better than any team in the country on offense rarely rarely travels they don't turn the ball over a ton i think they can they can pretty obviously make a run here it's just that Tennessee team is going to grind them down. They're going to play at the pace that Tennessee and Villanova want to. And I think Tennessee is ultimately going to win that battle because they're going to grind them down. Uh, Offensively, I should say Villanova will be forced to play slower. Uh, They're not forced to play slower. will be playing slower. And if Tennessee gets going in transition, uh, you know, gets out and runs off of turnovers, uh, then, then that's going to be a major issue for Villanova in that game. If they face off in this week, 16, that takes us to the East region. Uh, where this is a very talented region, uh, has honestly, for me, one of the most disappointing matchups in, in the bracket uh, in Murray State, San Francisco in the first round, two teams I really wanted to see face off with, power five teams, power six, if you want to call it that, in the, with the inclusion of the Big East, uh, but they have to face each other in the first round, which is, which is disappointing to me. Uh, I went with Purdue winning this, winning this region. I just think the perimeter play of Jaden Ivey is going to be too much for too many teams to overcome. He's the kind of guy that can carry you from the first round to a title. Uh, he's an NBA talent. He's going to step into the NBA as one of the five best athletes in the league right away. He's phenomenal at all three levels offensively, can be really disruptive defensively, as uh, a switchable defender. Of course, they have Zach Edy and Travion Williams in the post. Edie is seven foot four and is difficult to do anything around. He can get him in foul trouble, but even if you do that, Williams comes into the game and be a bully ball five is an excellent passer uh, is, it is sort of everything you'd ever want in a backup five. You would be starting on most teams in the country, quite frankly. I just think they've got too much going for them. Uh, even as a three seed, even having to beat Kentucky and Baylor on their way, according to my bracket anyways, I think this is, this team is too talented and they have, Potentially the most talented college basketball player in the country, uh, NBA potential notwithstanding, with guys chet Holmgren, who I mentioned, Jabari Smith of Auburn, and Paolo Bancaro of Duke. Uh, Ivy might be the best college basketball player of that bunch, uh, and has is, is just been phenomenal all season. Uh, as for sleepers to watch, I think it's that Murray State team. This is this is not your typical sort of oh, this is a, a you know a good a good. Uh, Non-Power uh, 5 winner. This is a good mid-major, low-major kind of team, but they're not going to do anything once they get there. Murray State played Auburn this year, only lost by 13 in a true road game, beat Memphis, who's number 28 in Ken Palm's uh, Ken Palm ratings, and has you know stayed steady in, in, all season long. They are 32 overall, as I said, number 27 team in Ken Palm's ratings, top 40 both offensively and defensively, ridiculous on the offensive glass, uh, just a team that is, is built to win in, in March just because of that offensive rebounding can really take away opportunities from the, the opposing team. Uh, you know they, they are a lot of fun to watch. They are a team that I'm going to be monitor, monitoring closely, especially if someone like Tevin Brown gets hot from the outside and really fuels the offense. I just think they are in position to, to not even surprise because they are that good, but to outperform their number seven seed uh, more than any other team. I will say as far as an upset in the first round, I didn't project any. This is a, a little bit of a chalky region for me. Marquette could beat North Carolina, but that's an 8-9 seed. It's not much of an upset. If I had to pick one, it would be Indiana. Now they beaten Wyoming in the first four to, to end up beating St. Mary's. But again, St. Mary's is very good. Uh, but really indiana's best chance is relying on trace jackson davis to go off as a center Uh, one of the best left hands in the country around the rim excellent defender can switch is a good shot blocker protects the rim uh you know is a little bit limited offensively goes to that left hand all the time but he has counters so if you try to take away his left hand he can find another way to his left hand or he can quickly go to his right to a shot that's so wide open that it's not as much of an issue so i do think indiana could have a reasonable chance to earn the upset there But really this I think is going to be one of the more chalky regions in the tournament. That brings us to our final region, the Midwest region uh, led by number one seed, Kansas. I should say the East region, of course, led by number one seed Baylor have them losing in the elite eight to Purdue. Uh, But this region led by number one seed, Kansas, number two seed, Auburn, uh, two of the the best teams in the country, obviously, but with two of the best players in the country and, and Jabari Smith Uh, Smith legitimately, has a chance to be the number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Just a phenomenal player can shoot at will can get a shot off over anyone because he's six foot 10 is a good defender is switchable uh, can, can break open a game for game for Auburn. Uh, But I think the reason this region is most exciting is because there's some real, there's a real chance for parity here. Uh, The team that I have winning the region is the number five seed, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, I think they, have sort of the, the veterans that you want to have in the NCAA tournament. They have obviously Connor McCaffrey, son of head coach, Fran McCaffrey. They have Jordan Bohannon, who can light it up from beyond the arc. But more importantly, they have the guy. They have Keegan Murray, who might actually be the best player in all of college basketball, uh, You know, even, even more so than Ivy. Ivy, again, among the, the highest group of draft prospects. Murray is in that second tier. He's probably a better college player than, than anyone other than Ivy just phenomenal can score at all three levels good defender at six foot eight again like smith can get a shot off over anyone because of his size but can operate in the post can score that way too is active on the offensive glass is active as a defensive rebounder. a good passer is going to be a really good basketball player for a really long time uh, but that being said they could lose in the first round of richmond uh so them going to the final four is by all means a uh not a lock and they they might get bounced in the first round but i think the parity of this region is really shining through uh to the point that you know the the you know, the upset I have in the first round is also the sleeper team, and that's the number 11 seed Iowa State Cyclones. Iowa State, one of the best players on the team, of course, former Penn State Nittany line, Isaiah Brockington. Brockington, of course, is one of the team's best offensive players, has scored at all three levels this year, shooting 37.6% from three. Not something we saw when he was at Penn State. Obviously a fantastic athlete, gets to the rim really well. Not the best passer, but that's okay because he has Tyrese Hunter, who is a good passer as a freshman. Those guys, of course, joined by Gabe Kauscher in the backcourt. Uh, those three generally the center of their offense. Uh, but it's really a lot about Brockington and Hunter. Hunter's ability to create for others, Brockington's ability to create for them, for them for himself. And I think Brockington has reached a level this year where he's the kind of guy that can take you deeper into the NCAA tournament than your seeding says. And again, they're an 11 seed. They play LSU in the first round. LSU, of course, just parted ways with Will Wade, former head coach, who's under investigation for recruiting violations and whatnot. They're ripe for the picking for an upset. They win that game, they could be facing Wisconsin or Coolgate. Again, Wisconsin, not an overwhelmingly good team. A very good player in Johnny Davis, but not a team I would be afraid of if I was an 11 seed. The real upset for them to reach the Elite Eight, and that's where I have them getting, would be over Auburn. And Auburn has been really, really good this year. There is no doubt about that. Led by Smith and, and, and Walker Kessler at center. I just think they have the ability to attack and to get into Kessler's body, to force him to foul, uh, to, to put Auburn in a compromised position. at at a point where Brockington cannot necessarily take over a game, but lead the offense in the game and earn the upset there. Of course, before falling, it's the number eight seed. Iowa State my sleeper. Iowa State my upset. Uh, I I think that they are sort of the – I didn't agree with their number 11 seed, I should say, uh, to to say the least. I think they're a better team than that. Reasonably could have been a seven seed, in my opinion. They did struggle down the stretch of the season, no doubt about that. Losing in the conference tournament uh, to Texas Tech by 31 is not a good look. Uh, but Texas tech top 10 team in the country, right? That those kind of things happen. They lost their last three, but those games again, a really, really weird game against Oklahoma state, another good team, uh, a, a close loss to Baylor uh, on the road. And then of course the neutral neutral site loss to the red Raiders. Uh, I don't, I don't take away a ton from that. I still think they're very good. Uh, but that brings us to my final four and that is where I have Gonzaga taking on Purdue in, on one side of the bracket and Tennessee taking on Iowa, and I'm sure those are not conventional selections. I have personally Gonzaga and Tennessee in the national title game with Tennessee winning it all. I think that defense is too good. I think they're going to lead the way. They are susceptible to a to a bad offensive performance stalling the whole thing out. Uh, but I think Kennedy Chandler's good enough on the offensive end to lead them to a victory. Is it the most likely scenario? No. I think the most likely scenario is Gonzaga's just as good as we think they are and they win a national title. Uh, you know, Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy, Adrian Nemhard, all those guys I named earlier, they're so, so good on both ends of the court. They're so dynamic. They can play offense so many ways. They can run the offense through Chet Holmgren. They can run it through Nemhard, who can score in isolation. They can run it through Bolton who can score in isolation spot up from deep. They can, they can have Drew Timmy in the high post as a passer. They can get it to him in the low post and let him score down there. They can be super versatile defensively. So are they favored to win the national title? Yes. Should they be favored? Yes. Should I probably have picked them to win the national title? Maybe, but I didn't. And that's part of the fun of the NCAA tournament. I do think this is going to be a really exciting year for the NCAA tournament. Of course, like I said, our, our coverage of that is, you know, we've got some stories on Penn, how Penn State can get there. Uh, at centerdaily.com so go check that out you know i think that is going to be fascinating to watch as michael shrewsbury tries to continue to rebuild continue to build up this roster and continue to try to make the ncaa tournament and get the nittany lions there for the first time since 2011 but that'll do it for this week's episode of the lion's lair you can find me on twitter at john sauber at j-o-n-s-a-u-b-e-r Uh, You can find all of my work at centerdaily.com. Like I said earlier, you can subscribe at centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast. That's C-E-N-T-R-E-D-A-I-L-Y.com backslash sports podcast for $30 for a year. You get access to all of our sports content there. That includes Nate's coverage of wrestling. That includes Kyle Andrews coverage of preps, which he's done a phenomenal job on. But thank you for tuning in this week and have a great day.